0: Well, Glenn, we, we, again, again, we are glad to be here this afternoon. I'm glad you are as well. A little bit about myself, I'll give you a testimony first. We are, um, I mean, isn't it amazing how God works? I grew up on a farm, and then from there I went into masonry, and then I went into um, metal roofing, and, and all along I knew God had called me to preach. I just didn't know what that meant. You ever had to wait on God sometimes? Like, ah. Huh. I mean, would you hurry up? I'm on a schedule here. And God just doesn't come through in our timeline sometimes. Well, I got to the point in my life where I was trying to push. I was trying to struggle with God a little bit and say, hey, let's, let's get going here. And I decided that I was just going to sit back. I didn't, I didn't um, give up any of my responsibilities if it were at church, but I said, okay, I'm not going to push. Well, God, after that time, shortly allowed me to go to Belize on a missions trip. I had never been to Belize, and in fact, probably like some of you, I didn't even know what was a Belize. Is it a country? Is it a city? I had no clue. I called my wife and said, "Honey, I guess in two weeks I'm going to Belize." So we had to figure out what, what that meant and what that looked like. And um, it's amazing how God worked in my heart while I was there. It just gave me um, a comfort and a peace to know that this is where God would have us. Now, man, have you ever made a decision without talking to your wife? Never. Yes, never happened to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, coming home from that trip, I had to say, oh, man, how do you tell your wife that you're moving to a third world country and hoping she'll come along, right? So I was a little nervous, but while I was in Belize, God was working in her heart as well. And it was just amazing to see how God works. I was stressing. We were on the way to church one Wednesday night, and she started interrogating me. You know, hard questions like, hey, what are the people like? I'm like, uh, they're nice. Uh, Well, what about the weather? I'm like, "It's, it's nice. Like, what's with all the questions? And then she is like, are we moving to Belize or what? I'm like, seriously? Like, who told you? Because I was like, I know I didn't, you know, I was stressed about this, but it's amazing to see how God allowed us to raise our support and move to Belize, and just what he has allowed us to do there, or rather, in fact, use us in spite of ourselves, you know what I mean by that? And it's amazing to see, you know, there was once a place where we, we would drive our vehicle down on the, onto this new subdivision, and crawl up on top of our Jeep Cherokee, and just sit up there and pray and dream about what God could do in that area. By the way, that's where we have a church building now. And it's amazing to see how God works. And it's amazing to see all the different things that he allowed us to do there. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two real quick. We'll get into the message, I will be on time. But Philippians chapter two tells us about a man who got himself in trouble. And I I, I can kind of relate. See, I've always grown up being busy. When you're self-employed, you have to make things happen. You understand what I'm saying? If you take a day off, things aren't getting done, right? So I would always push and I would always do whatever I could to to do the best I could and push harder so, so things would happen and I got myself in trouble in Belize. I was doing too much. You ever been there? You ever get worn out, burnt out, just like, okay, I'm done, I can't go any further? That's where I was in Belize. I'm still talking because I've seen Philippians twice now. There it is. All right. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 talks about a man named Epaphrodites. Godly man. Man of God who is there sent to help Paul and just do whatever he can for the gospel's sake. And we see he got himself into trouble. And this is, I can relate. Because this is what happened to me in Belize. It talks about in verse, um, and maybe you've been there as well. 25, chapter 2, verse 25 says this, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all. And it says, And he was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Pause there for a minute. you ever been so tired that everything is going wrong in your life? Oh, this just happened, and then this happened, and, and oh, all these things keep piling on, right? I mean, he's sad because the people at, her, at home heard that he was sick, and now they know about, oh, and it's just even worse. Everything seems to be piling on him, okay? And then it says in verse 20, uh, 27, For indeed he was sick and nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow and sorrow, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Why? And this is what we're going to see here in verse 30. It says this Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Was this man in some wicked sin? Not at all. He was trying to give everything he had for the Lord. And as a missionary, and, and probably in your job you feel the same way to an extent, how can I rest when there's so much to be done? In, in Belize, we have the opportunity to go into any school, whether it's a Roman Catholic school, whether it's a government school system, preach the gospel, pass out Bibles, pray with kids, do their religious teaching. We can go into hot, we can go anywhere. There is everywhere is an opportunity to start a ministry and see things happen. How do you take a break? I mean, and that was a struggle for me. I, I burnt out. I was doing too much, and it cost me. That's why I had to come back. That's why I had to come back to Canada for a time, but I'm so thankful that God proved himself strong once again. I didn't know what we were going to do. I just assumed we had moved to Belize, and that's where we would stay, Until God provided Pastor Omar in a very weird situation. And and we could spend all afternoon, but I won't, telling you how God moved. But he made it very clear that we were to come off the field for a time. Man, that broke my heart. But we came back knowing that it was for a season. We didn't know, like you saw this morning, what the Lord had in store for us. But we knew he wasn't finished with us. And what an encouragement that was. We are so thankful that we have a better understanding of my human limitations and the things we need to go back to the field with to be more prepared for for longevity. You've probably heard the saying before, I would rather burn out than rust out. Sounds great, but is that true? I think God would be a lot more pleased with balance, right? Where Where we could live this Christian life to the full and be effective for a long time. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll get into our message here. God, our Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the guidelines we have in your word, and help us, Lord, to follow them so that we can live a life of balance, Lord, in ministry towards you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've got a few minutes left. Fantastic. Turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8 this afternoon. I really enjoy the book of Acts. It's a blessing to me to see the the start of the New Testament church and what that looked like. The book of Acts, to me, helps as basically a a diving board. It also works as the backbone of the New Testament. As we can see how missionaries went out, how letters were sent from different places, and then we see how Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all these different places intersect and come back together. It's amazing how the Bible works, and and I really love that. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, but if you recognize in chapters 6 and 7, before we get to 8, we're going to find another man. We find a man by the name of Stephen. We know what happens to Stephen, right? D- doesn't end well by earthly, all right? He was stoned for his death, for his, for his faith. We see his testimony. We see how he gave testimony to what God did. And I think it's verse uh, uh, 6, verse 5, it talks about... Um, and he did great wonders, Uh, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. It was this Stephen who would be judged and eventually stoned to death for his faith as Saul persecuted the church, right? And it's on the events of this man we're going to look at today, Philip, knowing full well what just happened to another minister of the the gospel, and we're going to see how he reacts to God's instruction for his life. Acts chapter 8. Let's start in chapter 8 verse 1. We'll go through a little bit here. It says this. I hope you can follow along. Uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. It says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Pause there for a minute. We'll move over to verse 25. So, so Peter's being... Uh, Philip is being used greatly by God as he's been obedient, and he's seen God work in his life and work through him. But then in verse 25, it goes on to say this, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26 says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And then we know it goes on to talk about the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and how because Philip was able, he was being willing to be used, willing to be a servant wherever God would have him. We see this man getting saved and we see and we know from history how he was able to take the gospel elsewhere. And it's amazing to see what can happen in scripture and in our lives here, by the way, when we're willing to just be faithful When we're willing to be used by God, it doesn't say anything in this passage of scripture of how he looked. It doesn't say his accreditation, when school he went to, what letters were behind his name, how well he talked. All it says is God directed and Philip went. In fact, it talks about him running. He was given instruction by God and he ran. I love this passage of scripture because it's an encouragement to me. And we'll continue on with this as well. We would all understand today, this is a great thing for ministers to do. To follow God and do what he would have them to do. To preach the gospel everywhere. If your pastor wasn't doing this, we would probably have a problem, right? If he wasn't like, you know, sharing his testimony with others and and preaching the gospel and trying to disciple, we'd say, there's a problem here. But do we understand it's not just pastor's job? As a church, as a family of God, we're all to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel? That, that's our task. That's our privilege as a child of God to be able to do. First John 3 18 says, my little children, let us not love in word neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Or don't just talk about it. Let's, let's do something about this together, right? I'm sure in St. Thomas, people understand what you're against, right? You're a Christian? Oh, does that mean you, you can't do this? you can't do this other thing, I mean, you and then we're like, no, my mom won't let me. Like That's the way we act, right? It's like, no, I'm not allowed to, I'm a Christian. What kind of testimony is that? Wouldn't it be so much better if we shared with them things like, I don't know, the peace we have in Christ, the love and the joy we have being a part of the family of God, having maybe, maybe this is you, a father, a heavenly father, this is a good verse, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, we need that, don't we? And what a promise and what a privilege we have to know these things. What if we shared these things with others around us? Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, actually, let me tell you what happened. And we can share what God did in here. And by the way, I hope God's doing something in your hearts today. I hope you came to church ready to hear and ready to receive. That's a testimony. Now, now we would understand we serve a, a perfect God, right? We want to show him this love back. How do we reciprocate that kind of love? John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 gives a, a good summation in the New Testament of, of the, the law here, what we're talking about, keeping these commandments in Matthew chapter 22. 34 through 40 says this, We've we've got a group huddle going on here in verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Okay, we got to trip them up here somehow. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, verse 35, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, but it goes on. And the second is like unto it. As in, these things should work together here. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, what does that look like? Do you have somebody in your life that just drives you crazy? In a bad way. Don't look at them if they're in the, I saw somebody looking already. Maybe... <laughs> it wasn't over there. No. Um, maybe it's at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it isn't. Somebody a little closer than that. You just have to think about them. It's like, oh, that person just gets me every time. Should we love them? Right? W- would that be Christ-like? Now, now, we understand who we are before Christ, and it's not pretty, right? We understand our heart. We understand our mind. We understand how today we've, like we already sinned against him. Yet he loves us anyways. When we think of that that, that, that thing that our neighbor has done against us doesn't seem like such a big deal anymore, does it? And what an example. What a testimony that would be in this world where it's in Belize. It's, oh, that person looked at me bad. I'm going to get after them. Right? No. <laughs> Show them the love of Christ. And Philip understood that. We understood that. And because, of, because he understood that, he was a willing servant. Number one would be the fact that he is a willing servant. Peter, Peter is not who we're talking about. Philip understood, God has told me to go. I'm, I'm just gonna go. You say, pastor, seriously, that would be easy. He went from a place where his friends were being put to death for their faith to somewhere else where he was a big deal. I mean, Philip was used by God and many people came to know him. Hey, why not? I'll follow you, God, if that's what's going on. But what about when hard times come? What about when God challenged you with something? Hey, I want you to do this thing. I want you to go here or, or give this or minister to this person. What do we do then? Again, in scripture, in verses 25, 26 and on, it talks about how the angel of the Lord came unto Philip and he said, hey, go. What did he do? You know, I think I'm going to pray about it for a while. We don't see that, do we? We see he just went. And when, when, when the Lord pointed out this chariot, he ran. He said, what's up? What's going on here? What can I do for you? We see, firstly, he was a willing servant. Secondly, he would, we see a wanting sinner. We know that all around us is a world that's searching, right? Empty. In Belize, they try and fill this void with, with drugs, with alcohol, and with other, all sorts of craziness going on. Because they're searching for something that, that we have. This man in scripture was not on rock bottom, though, was he? We see people of all different types who need, need the Lord. This man, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, he had position. He was a big deal, right? He had prominence. Everybody know who he was. And, and because this is just how my brain works, well, he's got a chariot, right? Because he, he's taking care of all this, all this treasure of the queen. I would like to believe he had a pretty sweet ride. All right, I'm a truck guy. I believe if if he was alive today, he had probably a pretty great truck. He had it all. I remember there was only ever one time in my life I bought a brand new truck. And I thought, I am king of the world. I got the big sunroof, I won't tell you which kind, we're not getting into that. I had a big sunroof, leather, all these things, and for like four days. I'm like, look at me, driving around in a brand new truck, better than anybody else. Until one day, right next to me, pulled up at the intersection, nicer truck bigger tires lift kit i'm not happy anymore the world is looking for answers the world is trying to fill that void in their life with things by the way we also get caught up in this thing sometimes don't we i'll admit it was me too but he was willing to go because he understood there are people In need of a savior and god sent him makes me makes me wonder a few questions why did god send him why did god send philip it is possible because philip had had his own desert experience maybe there was a time in philip's life where he went through the exact same struggle do you understand that sometimes things have happened in your life and we want to wish those circumstances on anybody else but they can be used you know, some struggles as a child, some struggles growing up, some, some heartaches in your life. You can say to somebody else, hey, I actually do know what you're going through. Let me show you from God's word how you can know the peace that I have. Again, our testimony and just sharing that with others. By the way, wasn't there anybody closer? Philip had to travel where God, from where God was using him greatly to the desert. Was there nobody closer that was, that was available? Sorry, God, I'm busy right now. Uh, Maybe they just weren't willing. I don't know. But we see a wanting sinner. The world is absolutely full of lost people, ready to hear, ready to receive Christ. Unfortunately, all too often, I believe they're met by Christians who are too busy. We're too busy with our job. We're too busy with our hobby or, or something else that'll trip us up from, from fulfilling the Great Commission, what we're here to do. You say, Pastor, are you, are you saying I shouldn't work a job? No, absolutely not. We're supposed to work. The Bible says, if ye don't work, neither shall ye eat, and I like to eat, okay? so So we need to work, and that should be why we work. Work is not to give us our identity, not to give us oh, I I am a big deal now, Um, our happiness, our fulfillment, but rather to put food on the table and to be an extension of who we are. Number three, we see a witnessing spirit. We see God here working in several different ways. We see he's working in the life of this man because he's searching. He's searching for answers. He finds them in the word of God, okay, again, God working. And this is such an amazing book, and I'm so thankful for it, for myself and for, for the lost as well. And then through the life of the believer, what are we doing? Or are you doing so locally? Are you just be will? Are you just willing to do whatever God would have you to hear, to do here, and give and pray for those regions you can't get to? Are we? Are we? Are we witnessing? Can I challenge you with two things? Would you pray that God would bring somebody across your path to witness to this week? Would you pray? And, and if you do, it's going to happen the person at the gas pump, the person at Tim Hortons, wherever these are, God will give you opportunities to witness. And then you say, I can't do that. Trust me, you can. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter three. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter three. It's an amazing, this passage is an encouragement to me as a a missionary, as a Christian, because sometimes when we do this thing, passing out tracts, talking to other people, nothing happens. You ever been there? It's like, oh, I'm trying. As a missionary, we get a little extra pressure, right? We get the privilege of writing a prayer letter every once in a while. People like to see things happening, okay? Lord, I'm trying to know. What am I going to put in this letter? I didn't see 100 people get, I didn't see one person get saved this month. This isn't going to look good, okay? Oh, no. What we have to realize is it's our job to be faithful. It's our job to be willing, and, and God's going to provide the increase. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, says this, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward. According to his own labor, for we are labors together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. We just have to be willing, and God's going to bring them in. What a blessing. What an encouragement that is to me. I just have to be faithful, and he will take care of the rest. Because lastly this morning, we have a wonderful story. A story that cannot remain silent. We need it proclaimed in St. Thomas and throughout the world. So what are you going to do? You've probably heard it said before, you might be the only Bible some people will ever read. What does that look like? How are you doing? How is your testimony right here? In Belize, I am so looking forward to getting back there. This is this is. Life for me. I love getting out and being everywhere in the community and really the country. It's so small. And and just getting to know people and invest in their lives and get to know who they are and show them who they are and can be in Christ. How are you doing, Christian? I'm gonna close with Matthew chapter five. I'm just gonna read these verses and the pastor's gonna come out and close this up. Matthew chapter five, a really a good summation of this entire message. Will you be willing to let your light shine? Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 say this. Ye, that's, that's us, by the way, in case you didn't catch that. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house." let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your, he- your father which is in heaven. I want to challenge you. We're looking so forward to getting back to Belize, getting back home and letting our light shine there. Are you willing to do the same here? Thanks so much.